Buffalo Bills training camp is underway, and we're breaking down the biggest takeaways from day one today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate you all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, the Buffalo Bills 2023 training camp is underway. And on today's episode, I want to reflect on the biggest takeaways from day one, the things we learned from day one of Buffalo Bills training camp. And so have a few roster notes that I want to get into first, and then Stefan Diggs met with the media, want to talk practice notes, and then get into my biggest takeaways from Sean McDermott and Josh Allen's press conferences on day one. Now, before I get into this, folks, it is day one, so let's be mindful of that. Uh, there's a lot that needs to play out here. There's trends that we're looking for as days get stacked on top of each other and how the movement occurs within narratives and storylines and position battles and all that type of stuff. So let's have the right mindset about day one and uh, make sure it has its proper context. All right, with all the disclaimers out of the way, let's talk about what we learned from day one of Buffalo Bills training camp. We will start with some odds and ends and some roster notes. Uh, So yesterday we talked about the reported signings of Jay Sternberger, a tight end, and Darrington Evans, a running back, those are now officially done uh, as one-year contracts. And, of course, that became official probably about 35, 40 minutes after I published that episode. And so that's just how it goes in the world of producing content. Uh, news happens fast. And, you know, I talked about on on the show yesterday that I, I didn't have the corresponding moves. Well, now we got the corresponding moves. So all of our um, missing links are now connected. But Jay Sternberger, Darrington Evans, both officially added to the roster. Um, I would assume that Jay Sternberger has a a real chance to be kind of the fourth tight end and compete with Quinton Morris to be the third tight end. Darrington Evanson, a very speedy back um, out of Appalachian State, was a third-round pick by the Tennessee Titans. Hasn't really produced much in the NFL, but um, is getting an opportunity in Buffalo, and obviously his speed is something that's going to make him very interesting. The Bills also placed Naheem Hines on the reserved uh, the reserve slash NFI list, right? So it's about what we expected. I know that one of the big question marks with Naheem Hines and the season-ending injury that he suffered on a jet ski a few days before camp was, all right, what are the salary cap implications? And we talked a little bit about that earlier in the week, but Brandon Bean said on Wednesday afternoon during his press conference that he's had multiple good conversations with Naheem Hines. He said he called them positive conversations over the last week. He's going to keep everything in-house regarding Hines, but he did say that we're going to support him. So it feels like the Bills are going to do um, right by Naheem Hines, and I think we can all appreciate 
that being true and knowing that the Bills are the type of organization that are going to do right by their players. And uh, it sounds like that's going to be the case here with Naheem Hines. Uh, the Bills also released Nick Gugamos. So that was the other move. Naheem Hines to basically IR. It's not technically IR, but he's gone for the season. His roster spot no, no longer counts. And then Nick Gugamos, your other player here that was released to make room for Evans and Sternberger. Our, our official players that were placed on the PUP list, the physically unable to perform list, Von Miller, we expected that. Jordan Phillips, we expected that. The one we didn't expect was Tyler Medikavich. Doesn't sound like it's a big deal, a calf injury, if I'm not mistaken, from the reports today. I'm sure he'll be fine uh, fairly soon. It was also great to see nobody else added to the list. So no Tommy Doyle, no Dawson Knox, no Mitch Morse. Uh, everybody else is good to go outside of Von Miller, Tyler Medikavich, and Jordan Phillips. So there's the odds and ends that are out of the way. Let's get into you know what really went down at St. John Fisher on Wednesday for day one. And I do want to start with Stefan Diggs. And what happened here is exactly what I hoped would happen here. Not just what Stefan Diggs said, but the fact that the Bills put him out there on day one. I talked about this. I wanted this. If it's really over, put him out there and let him meet with the media, the Bills media, for the first time since when, right? It's been a real long time. And so I thought that was a very good step to have him out there on day one because the longer it took to get Diggs out in front of the media, the longer we were going to still have to talk about it. And so it happened on day one, which I think is great. But what's even better is what Stefan Diggs said. And so I want to kind of share with you what I thought were the most notable things that he said. It was like a 21-minute press conference, something like that. Um, obviously not going to rehash the whole thing, but there's a few things that he said that stand out to me. And then, of course, I want to add my own commentary and analysis on what Diggs said. Uh, Stefan Diggs says, I'm entering year nine. I have more football behind me than ahead of me. And I think that's really important because I think so much of what Diggs is communicating as we're trying to dissect everything and really figure out what at at the root of this entire thing, what it is to me, it really does feel like this moment of realization for Stefan Diggs that I'm approaching 30 years old. There's more football behind me than ahead of me. And I want to friggin' win a Super Bowl. And I want to continue with his comments and then kind of get back to my own comments because it'll all tie together. But Diggs said, everyone says they want to win Super Bowls, but we've had legitimate chances at this thing. We've had the team. We've had the coaches. Everything we've needed, we've had. And when you don't get over the hump, it's cause for a conversation. And we have an open-door policy. I've had those conversations. I try to keep a lot of things in-house. Regarding last year, the way we lost was terrible. It's cause for a lot of frustration. We've had the conversations. It's water under the bridge now. I attribute it to family matters. All is well. There were a lot of outlandish things out there being said about me, about my role in play calling. Those things were never an issue. Josh is my guy. We never didn't get along. He's always going to be my guy. And then he said that he wants to retire a Buffalo Bill. And then, of course, everybody was asked about Stefan Diggs and everyone is saying, hey, it's behind us. We're, we've moved on. And so I think it's appropriate for us to also move on. But. Listening to Diggs 
and being mindful of all of the dissecting that we've done, or at least I've done over the last six months to try to figure out what the heck's going on. Sounds like Stefan Diggs is just one competitive dude that doesn't take losing well, and he wants to win a Super Bowl, and he feels like he's had the chance to do it in Buffalo, and it's frustrating to him that they haven't gotten over the hump. Now, I'm sure within that, there's very specific details that frustrate him about reasons why they haven't gotten over the hump, but I think at its core, that's what it is. And again, I'm going to be interested. If the Bills don't get over the hump again this year, I'm, I'm certainly going to be interested in how Stefan Diggs responds to that. But I did appreciate him really kind of clarifying things about his relationship with Josh Allen, that he's not disappointed with his role or volume of targets, right? He was very direct in speaking about that. Uh, He was very direct in speaking about that he's not frustrated with play calling. He says, I'm a wide receiver. I don't know a thing about calling plays. It's like it'd be outlandish for me to want to be involved with play calling. And so he dismissed a lot of narratives, which I think was great. And I think he really went out there and said what he needed to say. And so we can all feel good about it moving forward and just get back to watching 17 throw passes to 14 and all the good things. That come whenever that happens. All right, folks, a bunch more to get here to here today. But first, need to tell you about eBay Motors. Our partners over at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Looking to make a smooth turn in fantasy football snake drafts with the last pick in the first round of the first pick in the second round? You'll be guaranteed to have two of the surest performers by going all AFC West with Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams and Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Adams has proved he remains a reliable top selection in Vegas, while Mahomes will again operate with both the highest floor and ceiling among the standout luxury options at his position. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With eBay Guaranteed Fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it and they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. So next up, I want to focus in on the big takeaways from what actually happened on the practice field, what we learned about who was lining up where, who were the first team players, checking in on some of the camp battles, all that stuff. And so that's what I want to focus in on here in this segment. Now, let's start by acknowledging that this was a very short day one practice, less than 90 minutes of time on the practice field. And so definitely kind of 
got the impression that this was very much get your feet wet type of situation. But we still got some really good insight into where guys were lining up. And I know that we're all interested in middle linebacker, offensive line, CB2. So let's do that. Now, as I expected, and I think I've tried to do my best to prime everyone here on this podcast and tell you that I think the Bills are going to give the veterans the first shot. And so that's exactly what happened. Let's start at cornerback, where the first team corner opposite of Tredavious White was Dane Jackson, which means it wasn't Kyer Elam. It wasn't Christian Benford. So it was Elam and Benford running with the second team, Dane Jackson getting those opportunities on day one opposite of Tredavious White. Now, before I go any further, again, this is day one. First opportunity, right? Tomorrow, it could be White and Elam. We've seen this happen before with position battles under Sean McDermott at camp. On one particular day, it's going to be one guy's opportunity. On the next day, it's going to be another one. And look, if you've studied the Bills and McDermott over the last however many years he's been the coach, you know that the veterans are going to get that first opportunity. And so Dane Jackson unsurprisingly, got the first opportunity opposite of Tredavious White. That doesn't mean Kyrie Elam won't be the starter. That doesn't mean Christian Benford won't be the starter. Just mean that Dane Jackson, as a player with the most tenure, got that first opportunity. Now, when it comes to performance of the players, the most interesting note that we got was Christian Benford intercepted Josh Allen on a pass intended for Stefan Diggs at the goal line, both Sal Capaccio and Matt Perino called it the play of the day. Looks like from the descriptions that Benford cued the football and just broke on the football and beat Diggs to it. And so Benford, as a player who had a ton of ball production in college, it's cool to see that showing up here. And obviously you hate that Josh Allen threw an interception, but that's the deal with training camp. One side does something good, that means the other side did something bad. But I think the key thing here is that Dane Jackson was your starter on day one opposite of Trey White. Obviously, a lot of time here to let this play out. Let's keep it in the secondary real quick, then we'll get to middle linebacker. But um, as far as the safeties go, we know Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde are your starters. Then it was DeMar Hamlin and Taylor Rapp getting the second team reps at safety, which I think is somewhat significant because I've looked at Cam Lewis as a guy who might have something to say about that fourth safety job. I've also looked at Dean Marlowe, of course, as a guy who might have something to say about that fourth safety job. On day one, DeMar Hamlin and Taylor Rapp are your second team safety duo. At middle linebacker, Tyrell Dotson got the first team reps. Tyrell Bernard got the second team reps. And A.J. Klein got the third team reps. Dorian Williams and Bale Inspector both playing outside. And if I'm not mistaken, on One Bills Live, Brandon Bean reiterated something that he said back when they drafted Dorian Williams is that he's going to start off as a outside linebacker. And I know that he got his opportunity during OTAs to play middle linebacker. And, you know, Sean McDermott told us that but it looks like he's back over to the outside linebacker spot. So this looks like it's more of a competition between Tyrell Dotson 
and Terrell Bernard, then it really is a three-way competition with those two plus Dorian Williams. Again, A.J. Klein, the third guy in at middle linebacker with Dorian Williams and Bale Inspector both working on the outside. And I thought it was also interesting that Von Miller, when he had his press conference, he was like, yeah, of course it was Tyrell Dotson. Like, yeah, obviously he looks good out there. And you always got to put the Von lens on things. Von's going to hype up the Aggie, right? Those are both Texas A&M guys. He's going to hype up the Aggie, right? Gigum, whatever they say there at the Texas A&M. But um, I thought Tyrell Dotson had a real shot at this. I'm not surprised to hear that he got the first reps, but I am interested to see him compete with Bernard and Klein and see where this all settles. And of course, in the next segment, I'll get to the comments that Brand, uh, excuse me, Sean McDermott made about the middle linebacker spot. And he said something I didn't expect him to say. So make sure you stick around for that. Uh, also want to talk about the offensive line. We got uh, the starting group that I thought we would. Deion Dawkins at left tackle, Connor McGovern at left guard, Mitch Morse at center, Ryan Bates, the right guard. Spencer Brown, the right tackle. Now, Sal Capaccio, in his recap article, did comment that Osiris Torrance got some first-team red zone reps, but that's all I've seen on that. The second-team group was David Questenbury at left tackle, David Edwards at left guard, Greg Manns at center, Osiris Torrance at right guard, and Brandon Shell at right tackle. Now, that seems about like what you would expect, but I think the notable piece there is Ike Bucker wasn't running with the second team. And Ike Bucker is a guy that's been around, that has tenure, right, that has versatility. He wasn't at either guard spot over Edwards or Torrance. He also wasn't at center over Greg Manns. And one of the things that's interesting about Ike Bucker's deal is that there's very little guaranteed money. I talked about that when I did my my roster projection, I think I dropped that over the weekend at some point this past weekend. I said, look, Bakker doesn't have that much guaranteed money. It's something that I'm mindful of here. Uh, so that's kind of falling together there in terms of him being with the third team and then also Tommy Doyle not getting the opportunity with the second team offensive line over Questenbury and Shell. So that's kind of my notable takeaways there from considering that. So Look, not a whole lot to take away from the practice field. I know that they did a lot of red zone. You saw some tweets about there being 12 personnel run packages. You saw some tweets about Taylor Rapp getting some run in the nickel. But for the most part, I think the most interesting thing that happened on the field was what I went through. And it's the veterans getting that first rep on day one at training camp. All right, folks, we've got more to dive into here after a quick break. We're going to discuss the big takeaways from Sean McDermott and Josh Allen's press conferences right after a very quick break. All right, so I want to dive into the most notable things that Sean McDermott and Josh Allen said during their press availability. And, you know, Sean McDermott spoke for like over 20 minutes. Can't remember how long Josh Allen's was. And so I'm going to kind of break that down into a more bite-sized version, kind of get out of the, uh, the boring coach speak, the stuff that doesn't say anything, and tell you what I thought was actually the most interesting stuff that either person said. So we'll start with Sean McDermott. I think DeMar Hamlin is something that we have to get to. Uh, Sean McDermott said about DeMar Hamlin that he has our full support. We're moving at his cadence, and he's a full go. 
which is great, great to hear, obviously, right? Um, certainly felt like there were some limitations throughout OTAs. Doesn't sound like that's the case anymore. He's full go. And I, I think it's the appropriate thing to say that they're moving at his cadence, but guys out there running second team with Taylor Rapp, feels like there's a lot of great momentum here, and which that's just an amazing story. And I, I don't know, I get chills thinking about this guy being on the field week one. Unbelievable. Sean McDermott talked about Gabe Davis, and you know how I always talk about how Sean McDermott has high praise for Gabe Davis? Here it is. This is what he said. I have extreme confidence in Gabe. He's one of our hardest workers. He loves football and is passionate about it. When you follow that up with work ethic, good things happen. I know there's been a lot written about him regarding last season. He's a good football player and will always be one. I'm excited to watch him. So the Gabe love continues. And, you know, look, is is Sean talking to me there? I've had plenty of criticism for Gabe. Sean referencing me? Maybe so. All right, uh, middle linebacker, the competition there. Sean McDermott said, I don't want to put a hard stop on when it will be declared. There is value to making that sooner than later in terms of decision on who's going to start. We'll know when we know, and we have to let it play out a little bit. We want to see who leads the defense in the right way. I'm excited about the players we have. He was then asked about the green dot, and this is the piece that I wasn't expecting him to say. He said, look, I'd love for the green oh, – real quick, the green dot is the player. There's going to only be one player on the field that has the earpiece so they can hear the defensive coordinator, and they call the defense. So on the green dot, he said, I'd like it to be the middle linebacker, but I'm open to whatever is best for the team. And so – I know I've gotten a lot of questions about that. Like, why can't it be Matt Milano? Why can't it be Jordan Poyer? Why can't it be Micah Hyde? Why does it have to be the middle linebacker? Sean said something interesting. I'd like it to be the middle linebacker. And he said, look, we prefer it to, but he's open to whatever is best for the team. And so that's interesting. We'll see how that plays out. Regarding Von Miller. Sean McDermott said, he's been through this before. I have full confidence in Vaughn. He's not one to slow down. He wants to be out there. I wish I can heal as quickly as he's healed. I have cuts that haven't haven't healed as quickly as his ACL. So a lot of positive messaging there about not only where he's at in his recovery, but just mentally and just feels ready to go. Uh, During practice, he was working off to the side with a brace on his knee. And when Von Miller spoke, he said, look, he's aiming for week one, but won't be out past week six. And so that's that's nice to know that you kind of feel like you really do believe you have this strike zone of week one to week six. Um, and it won't be too long without Von Miller. And I can appreciate the you know things that Von also said about, look, I need to be around when this team needs me most late in the season, all that type of stuff. So I'm still predicting week six, but the momentum there is very, very good. Regarding Dalton Kincaid, this is what Sean McDermott said. I'm around my TV in the offseason. I've seen all the stuff about how he's going to be used and what type of player he's going to be and who he's going to be like. I just like to let the guy have one practice. Let's let him put his helmet on in front of the fans and enjoy it and put some work in before we say how many catches he's going to be worth. Sean being Sean, right? Sean being Sean. Um, But 
I, I could appreciate the way he answered that question because while he did try to like toss a wet blanket over the hype, he also kind of didn't, right? He just said, look, let's let him have a practice first. Let's have him, let him enjoy it before we start labeling everything. But he didn't say things like he's going to have to go out there and earn it or he has to really prove himself. We got to get to know what type of player he is. Felt like Sean was sort of telling us, hey, it's okay to be a little bit excited about this guy. So we'll see. This was also interesting from Sean McDermott. It was regarding James Cook. And the question was kind of staged as him being the lead back. And he said, look, roles are defined more once we get to cut down. He's just in his second year now. We'll see how the competition plays out. Can you contrast the two answers and realize that, look, Sean could have said something very different about Kincaid and he didn't? And with Cook, he said, look, we'll find out what the role is going to be look, look like closer to cut down, just a second-year player. We'll see how the competition plays out. He used the word competition. I mean, is Damian Harris in this mix? Is Latavius Murray in this mix? I don't think so. I think it's going to be James Cook's opportunity. But Sean McDermott was uh, certainly leaving the door open there for us. Let's get to a few things that Josh Allen said. I was talking about Deontay Hardy, said, look, he can be the X. He could be a gadget guy. Without Naheem, he may have an even bigger role. So a lot of versatility there with Deontay Hardy. I think it's interesting to call him as a guy that can be the X, which is typically like a bigger bodied uh, receiver that plays on the line of scrimmage that can handle press conf- coverage. But Deontay Hardy, I remember studying him. I really liked his release package. He's very, very, very elusive off the line of scrimmage. So I, I think the bottom line with Deontay Hardy is he's got a lot of speed and he's got a lot of versatility and his role in this offense is going to be really interesting to find out. On what Josh Allen is improving, he said, holding on to the football, making sure I am sure with the ball, especially in the red zone. He said, that's why we started with red zone today on day one. He said, I tried to force some things last year and I need to let it come to me. I think that's a good acknowledgement. Um, it's certainly a different type of answer than Josh has given before when he's been asked that. But I think taking care of the football while still scoring at the same rates that they did in the past, that's going to lead to a better overall output, in my opinion. On Gabe Davis, Josh Allen said this. He's a very big piece to what we got here. He goes in there and runs the deep routes. We want to give him some more easy ones and let him catch and run. He's not afraid to block. He's a selfless player. The way that he works is inspiring and makes guys want to work harder. So more praise for Dawson, or excuse me, Gabe Davis and his work ethic. And then on Dalton Kincaid, Josh Allen said he's progressed quite a bit from spring. He's a very smart player. He's gaining confidence. I really like his body language. And he said something that I don't hear quarterbacks say very often. He said, he's fun to throw to. That's an interesting way to put it, right? You hear receivers and tight ends say that they want to be quarterback friendly. But I've never heard a quarterback say, hey, that guy's fun to throw to. And then, look, he's, I think he caught at least one or two touchdown passes from Josh Allen based on social media tweets that I saw. Uh, but I don't know. Like I, I like to temper expectations for players, and I certainly want to keep good perspective on Dalton Kincaid. But it just feels like this guy's going to be a great player for the Bills. And his impact in year one sounds like it's going to be exciting. So, 
might let my hair down a little bit when it comes to Dalton Kincaid and allow myself to buy into this hype a little bit. But I think he's going to be productive. I just, just a matter of how much and how quick. Feels like we might need to accelerate a lot of that. But I'm excited to get my own eyes on this stuff. Like I mentioned, I'm going to be there next week, coming in on Sunday. So I'm going to see practice on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. I'll be at the scrimmage at Highmark Stadium on Friday. So my own personal observations are coming uh, next week where I can really evaluate and see what's going on. And I can't wait to share all of that with you here. So uh, make sure that you are subscribed. Um, We'll be back again for you tomorrow. The Bills practice again tomorrow morning. We're expected to hear from Ken Dorsey. So there should be some fun takeaways and kind of comparing how things unfolded in terms of where guys lined up on day one versus day two. I'm, I'm very anxious to hear from Ken Dorsey and, you know, what type of insight he's willing to offer. He doesn't typically give much, but, you know, we'll, we'll certainly find out. So make sure that you come on back, hit the subscribe button. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.